They're all still missing stuff. There's a lot of people who know way more about the Hunter Biden scandal than I do. But they're all still missing a very critical component. And I don't know why I was pretty much the only person in the country covering it. I don't know why. But maybe it's just because of where the sources came from. I don't know. But there's a critical component that everybody's missing about this. Now, before we get started, first of all, I want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Cue my audio, please. This is me at noise with Bill O'Reilly 2020. How long ago is 2020 again? Like five years ago. We're, We're counting in COVID years, okay? Normal years don't count. We all live in dog years now. That's how it works. Josh was correct five years ago. 2020 was at least at a minimum five years ago. So funny. Dude, I cracked that joke over the weekend, and I swear to God, I assigned like uh, like three to four years for each year. <laughs> swear to God. That's so funny that you said that. All right, so here's it. This is me at noise during COVID, okay, during that lull before the second wave of Delta, okay, during that lull, and this is me with Bill O'Reilly. A while ago, something that the American media didn't cover is that the Ukrainian government listed Joe Biden and Hunter Biden as alleged criminal co-conspirators in actual crimes in the Ukraine in two cases. One, a money laundering case, and then the other one, the firing of Viktor Shokin, which in the United States, you know, quid pro quo is not, not illegal, but there in the Ukraine, it really is. Why do you think the American media has chosen not to cover those stories? And why do you think the visas from top officials from the Ukraine have been denied by the State Department to come to the United States and make their case to Congress? Well, I don't know for certain. I didn't cover the Ukraine angle because Ukraine is a kind of out of control place. It's not like we're getting reliable information there. All right. So Bill O'Reilly's take on that was, uh, this is right after he said everybody obey the COVID restrictions. Bill O'Reilly's take on that was, I don't know. You can't trust anything Ukrainians say. All right, cool. That is two years, almost two years ago. I mean, October of 2020. So you get it. So about two years ago, okay? Now, the reason that I bring this up is I, I need you to remember. Longtime listeners will probably remember this. The top law enforcement official in the Ukrainian government, several members of Ukraine's parliament, have accused Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden's brother of criminal activity. There isn't a, we think Burisma committed criminal activity, but there's no evidence Hunter Biden did it. There isn't a Hunter Biden might have committed criminal activity, but Joe Biden didn't do it. That's not what has happened. The Ukrainian government officials have accused the entire Biden family and several prominent Democrats in Washington, D.C. of illegal activity in their country. Now, when you hear Dan Bongino tell you it's always been about Ukraine, he's right. And Dan Bongino knows a ton about this story. He's written books about it. He knows what he's talking about. But I always I always get a little frustrated that nobody remembers that there are members of the Ukrainian parliament and executive branch of their government that have been screaming for years at the top of their lungs. The Biden family has committed all sorts of money laundering and fraud in their country. The estimates are about 50 million dollars. That's what the Ukrainian government officials have accused the Biden family and those directly around them of stealing from the Ukrainian people, about $50 million. Not five, not six, 50. 
And the reason I bring up the five or six is because occasionally you'll hear a little thing about $5 million or $6 million, whatever. The total amount's about $50 million. That's what they've been accused of. And I've always told you, I don't know if these, these uh, parliament members are telling the truth. I have no idea. I don't know if the top law enforcement person in Ukraine is accurate in their description of all of this. It's basically their version of the attorney general. I don't know that. But they've got an entire investigative apparatus around this that has come up with a ton of evidence, including bank records, ladies and gentlemen. And they use prominent Democratic legal firms in the United States to process this money. The same law firm that is used by every single Democrat in the House of Representatives and in the United States Senate. Every single one of them. Now, I've always told you, I find it extremely, extremely convenient. If we're going to be talking about quinky dinks here. I find it extremely convenient that we have all of this money, all of this paper, uh, all of these these bank statements and everything else that lead directly to the Biden family and the Democrats. And nobody nobody can present their case. Now, I even told you at the time because they've been trying to get into the country even under the Trump administration. And so a lot of people are going, why wouldn't Trump grant them their visas to come and present their case? Do you remember me doing the show? where I outlined the treaty that the United States has with Ukraine, where we are required to share criminal investigative information with one another. And that's what the Ukrainians have been trying to do. Ukrainians are out there sitting there going, hey, we need need to be able to present our evidence before Congress so that way we can go ahead and get cooperation here. Now, the United States is bound by treaty to do this. That is an actual treaty that we have with them. It's not the the uh, mutual defense agreement that was made that was never a formal treaty, was never passed by the Senate. It's not the same thing. But the whole point is they have been trying to get to the United States to present their case. And even under the Trump administration, their visas were denied. Now, I said at the time, what I think could be happening is Trump might be waiting until after the 2020 election, because what's going to happen if he brings these Ukrainian government officials over? This is after Trump Russia, the Trump Russia collusion conspiracy theory. This is after the fake impeachment for that, which wasn't real. This is after all of that. What's it going to look like if he brings some Ukrainian politicians over who then accuse his political opponent of being a criminal in their own country? What is that going to look like for Donald Trump? Obviously, it's going to look bad. The media is going to spin it against him, that sort of thing, even if he's telling the truth. So I assumed he was waiting until after 2020 in order to go ahead and have them come over and present their case to Congress. Now, we already know what happened there. Rigged elections, yada, yada, yada. So it never really took place. And so we have the the New York Times. Now, this is all connected to the laptop. Every single bit of this is connected to Hunter Biden's laptop. But I wanted to remind everybody, there are government officials in Ukraine, anti-corruption advocates, who are desperately trying to fix the plight of their country. The Ukraine has been used as a money laundering pit. It has been used as a, a cesspit of corruption ever since the fall of the Soviet Union. It has been used by the Russians. It has been used by the West. It's been used by everybody to run money through there. When the revolution happened, started getting broiled up in 2013. Officially, the uh, the revolution succeeded in 2014. When that happened, all of a sudden, the Ukraine shifted towards a pro-West sort of scenario. And th- what do you get? 
You got a bunch of phone calls with Joe Biden and the former president of Ukraine, Poroshenko. Does everybody remember the leaked phone calls? Does everybody remember, remember that? I know that we like to talk about Trump's phone calls with Zelensky, where he was falsely accused of quid pro quo, which he never did. He did ask Zelensky about corruption. He did ask Zelensky about the accusations that were being made by Ukrainian government officials against Joe Biden. But he never withheld anything. He delivered the, the weapons. He didn't pressure him. Zelensky, te- he, well, he didn't testify. He publicly stated, I was never pressured into doing anything. There was no quid pro quo. Zelensky said that. But it is important that everybody understand this is such a big thing. And, and here's, here's why it's so big. Because I know that we've had so many major, major scandals over the past several years, right? Going back to the Bush administration, the Obama administration, uh, you get into uh, Trump and now Biden. Lots of big stories, right? And I've told you before that they try to make it as convoluted and complicated as they possibly can. And the main reason for that is you're going to listen to it and you're going to go, I can't follow any of this. Tune it out. And you won't have any idea what's going on. So at the end of the day, make it as simple as I possibly can. And then we'll break down some more evidence. The Biden family, along with many prominent members of our society, including prominent politicians. Okay. I'm sure there's some Republicans involved too, but primarily Democrats based on the evidence we have now have been money laundering through Ukraine. That's the essential grip of all of this. And the way that Ukraine was set up, the way that their government was corrupt allowed that to happen. So much so that Anytime the Ukrainian government decided that they were going to do something that the West didn't like, Joe Biden could pick up the phone and Joe Biden can say, you're not going to get the, the aid that we're, we were promising you because you have to fire this guy. Why do we have to fire this guy? Well, that guy's investigating my son, and I don't want him to be investigating my son. And if you want my continued support, my money, and, my, and our foreign aid, you're going, to, you're going to fire this guy, and you're going to let my son continue to get away with corruption inside your country. That's what Joe Biden did. Very simple. It is a global network of fraud and money laundering. It is run through the Ukraine. And the Biden family is deeply involved, including Joe Biden, who is consistently referred to as the big guy. In all of these documents that were found on Hunter Biden's laptop, and the big guy was confirmed to be Joe Biden by Hunter Biden's business partner. That's the thing. What does that mean? That means Joe Biden was engaged in illegal activity based on the evidence and the accusations of Ukrainian government officials in Ukraine while he was the vice president of the United States. And he got a nice cushy position for his son who has no business being on the board of a, of a company like Burisma. He got a cushy position for his son to make tons of money, not doing anything. Why? Because it's a way to launder money. That's why. Have you ever asked yourself why you go to some of these strip malls and there's these businesses in there that have been there for 15, 20 years that you've never seen a single customer inside? You ever try to open a business like that? Josh, you ever think you keep a business open like that? Never have a... Yeah, no. no. It's like a dry cleaner. So it's not like somebody who's selling on eBay or something. It's like... 
How is it that a dry cleaner has never washed a dress in 20 years? How is it they're still open for business? Because they're a front for another operation. That's why. That's what's been going on. You saw a lot of this in the Panama Papers, which the American media largely ignored. Because it mostly involved very prominent people in Europe and in the East, including Vladimir Putin. Go look at the Panama Papers. Revisit that story. Huge international story. Not so big here because we didn't care. But it involves Ukraine. You got to pay attention to this stuff because it all comes right back to our house. But I wanted to remind everybody that I've been telling you about this for several years now. Ukrainian government officials have been accusing Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, and to a lesser extent, Joe Biden's brother, of criminal activity in their own country. The courts have actually named Joe Biden as a co-conspirator in at least one of those criminal cases. Does the American media care? No, of course not. Why would they? So we're going to continue here and kind of go over this. I'm going to focus on not the same stuff that everybody else is focusing on. I kind of want to dive into, like... um, the mental decline of Brian Stelter, the, the human potato. We're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Now, I just want to remind everybody that while the New York Times has finally acknowledged the Hunter Biden laptop story is authentic. It was authenticated in, I believe it was authenticated in October of 2020. If memory serves me, yes, October of 2020, it was authenticated. Just so we are crystal clear about that. But the New York Times finally authenticated it, which means that now leftists in the country can accept it as being potentially real. Glenn Greenwald is on an absolute tear right now, just destroying all of the media outlets and specific members of the press who have continued to lie about this. Uh, Good for him. And there was a top fact checker, uh, co-founder of one of the world's leading fact checker organizations, which presents itself as a supreme authority on which sources of information can be trusted labeled the now completely confirmed genuine Hunter Biden laptop story as a hoax. And that's what's just so darn good about it. Um, I love watching all of these people just get taken down. And again, the laptop story was authenticated in October of 2020. So this is nothing even remotely new. It's just that after all of this time, the New York Times finally acknowledged that it was real. Why? You have to ask yourself that. Isn't that a good question? Josh, don't you think that's a good question? Why now? Why is it? I can understand not wanting to authenticate it before the election because you didn't want it to sway the election towards Trump. I get that. But why now? Why right before the midterms? Why in the middle of Joe Biden's usurpation of the executive office? Why is Why now? Why not just never publish it and have people consistently say, hey, remember that thing that was authenticated in October of 2020 that nobody's talking about anymore? Remember that thing? Why didn't you ever do a story about that? Why would the New York Times cause such a fuss by authenticating this now? Do you remember me doing a, uh, a segment a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, maybe, maybe three weeks ago? I have to go back and look. 
they're coming for Joe Biden and they're going to use Hunter Biden to take him down. Do you remember me saying that? You think maybe this might be a part of that? I mean, that's just a theory. It's a guess on my part, but it's an educated one. There's 51 so-called intelligence experts who said that this was Russian disinformation. And I wrote an article at the time that said there's no evidence whatsoever that this is Russian disinformation. None. And I, I got to tell you, if you don't think that this is tied to Ukraine just with the, the war, obviously it's tied to Ukraine with everything that was happening in Ukraine with Hunter Biden. But it's the same thing with the war. They have been lying to you about Russia for how long now? Folks, we could probably go back probably deep into the Cold War. They've been lying to you about Russia for a long, long time. A long time. And people are so conditioned to not like Russia that we just fall right into that trap of Russia bad, everybody else good. You realize that the the Azov Battalion, the Ukrainian neo-Nazis, the Azov Battalion, do you realize there's video footage of them refusing to allow civilians to escape Mariupol? You realize that? Now, the Russians almost have the entire city under control, but there's still serious fighting there. Uh, I've got video of Azov committing war crimes in this conflict right now, not in 2014, now. I've got video of Azov refusing to allow civilians to escape the corridors that both parties have agreed upon in negotiations. Do you think that our media is covering that? Why isn't our media covering that the Ukrainian forces are not letting civilians out of Mariupol? They're only covering that the Russians are attacking civilians in Mariupol. You find that interesting? I do. See, at 51 so-called intelligence experts without any warning, without any evidence, excuse me, not warning, but without any evidence, who said that this was all a Russian disinformation campaign. They were all wrong. And guess what? All 51 have refused to apologize, just like everybody in the news media has refused to apologize to you about getting Trump-Russia collusion wrong, which they didn't get wrong. They intentionally lied to you. They all knew it was fake the moment the dossier came out. So 51 so-called intelligence experts have now refused to apologize. And we know because the New York Post has reached out to them because the New York Post broke this story. The New York Post has reached out to all of them. They're, all, they're, not, they're not responding. Isn't that interesting? Great articles about the New York Times lying to their audience all of these, these months and years about the laptop story. Really, really good article written about this by Emma Jo Morris in Breitbart about how consistently the New York Times, which now admits that the laptop story is true, lying to their readers about it. But I really want to get into the other one. This is, this is the aspect here that I want to get into. The 15 media personalities who claimed that it was likely Russian propaganda. And the main reason that I want to do this is we could be slowly driving Brian Stelter insane over at CNN. And I got to tell you, it's kind of fun. We're going to talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button. The word of the day is gutter oil. We'll address that a little bit later. Gutter oil. Please leave that in the comment section. 
not in the live chat, but in the comment section. We're trying to hack that algorithm on Rumble. 15 media personalities claim that Hunter Biden's laptop emails were likely Russian propaganda before the New York Times admitted it was true two years later. I added the two years later part. MSNBC's executive producer Kyle Griffin, publisher of Inc. Magazine, Anand, whatever their name is, uh, Daily Beast reporter uh, Wajahat Ali, managing editor of truthorfiction.com, Brooke Binkowski, NBC News correspondent Heidi Prisbilla. She's a, she's a piece of work, too. Uh, number six, writer Chip Franklin. MN, uh, seven, MSNBC contributor Ben Rhodes. Number eight, Washington Post opinion columnist Max Boot. Number nine, MSNBC's Naveed Jamali. Number 10, Mother Jones Publications. Basically everybody at Mother Jones. Number 11, CNN anchor Brian the Human Potato Stelter. CNN anchor Wolf Blitzer. NBC News correspondent Ken Delanian. MSNBC Morning Joe regular contributor Dave Arenberg. And CNN anchor Jim Shuto. Boy, it's weird. Okay, CNN, NBC, NBC, CNN, CNN, NBC, 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 NBC. Wow, sure is a lot of NBC, CNN personalities on there, don't you think? It's almost like NBC and MSNBC made a major push to pretend that the laptop was not real. Now, the reason that I find this angle of the story to be so hysterical is because of Brian Stelter. Now, Brian Stelter, of course, as most of you know, he's already very, very nervous about his job because the the new people who are coming in are swearing to bury the hatchet with Fox News and to focus on doing actual journalism again, which Brian Stelter has never done, and he doesn't know how to do, and he's terrible at it. So Brian Stelter is feeling a little job insecure right now. So right now, you could say in in CNN, uh, what did they say for like the like one in four kids uh, feels feels hungry, something like that. So like one in four employees at CNN is uh, job insecure right now. So Brian Stelter. Spent zero seconds covering, zero seconds covering the media's multi-year attack on the story of Hunter Biden's laptop being a Russian disinformation operation. He spent zero seconds on his program covering it over the weekend, which shouldn't really surprise anybody because they never admit when they lied to you or they were proven wrong. They just move on to the next thing and, and pretend like it never even happened. So this is Breitbart, and the reason that Breitbart is so relevant in this is, one, they've done really good reporting throughout the history of the story, but two, because Brian Stelter attacked Breitbart directly over the weekend, okay? CNN's Brian Stelter on Sunday spent exactly zero seconds on his show, Reliable Sources, discussing the New York Times bombshell admission that the New York Post's October 2020 reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop was accurate or his false claims from the time that Hunter Biden's laptop emails were Russian disinformation. This is hysterical. (laughs) Alternatively, Stelter indulged in self-praise for a full block of his show about how media criticism can improve media diets and suggests his value add is a really, is to really inform people how the media works. That's what, That's what he thinks his job is. 
How many how many segments has Brian Stelter done? Let's let's see who's done a better job, me or Brian Stelter, on telling people how the media works. Has Brian Stelter devoted any of his show to explaining to all of you what the Associated Press process looks like? Has he spent any time talking to you about the wire service? Has he spent any time explaining to you what a stringer is? Has he spent any time? Uh, going through all of these nuances of our industry like I do on a regular basis, just so you kind of understand how things work and why sometimes you see hundreds of people regurgitate the same stupid thing over and over again. I bet he hasn't. Nobody knows because nobody watches his show. Emma Joe Morris, uh, Brian Stelter on CNN, now chatting about Internet restrictions and propaganda in Eastern Europe. No word yet on the example of that phenomenon in America that came up this week. <laughs> This is this is what I've been warning you about with this Russia-Ukraine thing. I stand by my position on this show. The side that wants censorship is never, never on, on the right side, period. Now, Russia and our side want censorship, so what does that tell you? But at the same time, the people who have lied to you about Trump-Russia collusion, they lied to you about quid pro quo, they lied to you about... Um, you know, George W. Bush, they lied to you about all of the scandals where they covered for Obama. They they lied to you about everything else involving Trump. They lied to you about COVID. Those are the people telling you that they you should only get your Russia-Ukraine information from them because they're the ones that don't peddle misinformation like the Russians do. That should scare all of you. Could you uh, do me a favor? Could you cue up my audio, please? This is this is a nice little montage that Media Research Center put together involving Brian Stelter and others in the news media on the Hunter Biden laptop back in the day. Biden secret emails. A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence operation. For all we know, these emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmark, hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Okay. That's Brian Stelter saying it was the emails are likely made up probably a Russian disinformation campaign and all of the usual markers of a right-wing media machine, right? Okay. Remember that. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. Now, the reason the Brian Stelter stuff is funny is because when Breitbart published the 15 members of the media who told you that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation, Brian Stelter actually slid into the DMs of the Breitbart reporter. And he said this, hey, just curious, when did I claim Hunter Biden's laptop emails were likely Russian propaganda? Can you send me the quote? Brian Stelter is famous for this. 
And it's one of the one of the reasons that he's so endearing to those of us who actually monitor what he does, since none of you actually do. He consistently will post something like, can somebody give me a single example of this? And he will get inundated with multiple examples because he's clearly crazy. So he actually slid into the DMs. This wasn't a public exchange. He went into the, the DMs of this individual, okay? And he said, when did I ever call it Russian disinformation? Did I or did I not just play an audio clip there, Josh? I did, right? I just played an audio clip for all of you. He talked about it being the standard tactics of the right-wing media machine. These emails, are, for all we know, are made up and Russian disinformation. He said it all, along with multiple other people in the news media. So what's funny is that same clip that I played for you, the Breitbart reporter wrote back and said, I'm glad that you're reading Breitbart. Do you stand by your claim that these emails may have been, quote, made up? And you used the phrase Russian disinformation on your show to describe them. Do you stand by that? Or are you retracting those comments you made on your show? And then he sent them the montage that I just played for all of you, where Brian Stelter clearly calls them likely made up Russian disinformation and all of the hallmarks of the right wing media machine. So he sent it to him. Brian Stelter's response So you clearly can't back up your assertion that I claimed Hunter Biden's laptop emails were likely Russian propaganda. Thanks for confirming that what you wrote is false. Does that sound like a stable individual to any of you? I just played you the exact same montage. The exact same one that was sent to Brian Stelter directly, which conclusively proves that he said that. And he's pretending like an internet troll, that what is real isn't real. Now, at that point, the Breitbart reporter starts peppering him with further questions for the follow-up article that they were going to write about all of this, including, including a news story on Brian Stelter. And he says, I've been speaking with a former CNN employee who told us that your erratic behavior could be explained by your concern that you may be a target of or swept up by the internal investigation at the network led by Kravath attorneys, given your closeness to Jeff Zucker. (laughs) Brian Stelter hasn't responded to any of it. But this is what's so hysterical about this. He said it. He's on tape saying it. And how many times have you heard me come onto this show and go, Brian Stelter has claimed that he didn't say something that he said. One time, he literally did it on the night he said it. He went on the air. He said something. I don't remember what the story was. He went on the air. He said something on his show. People were ripping him for it afterwards. And then he hopped online and said, I never said any of that. Why are you all saying this? And then people just peppered him with clips of his own show from that night where he clearly said what he claimed he didn't say. This is a consistent issue with this guy. And him constantly posting these, give me one example of this, and then getting hit with multiple examples of it. He clearly called it Russian disinformation. He spent a long time talking about it being Russian disinformation. It wasn't just one show. That's just three little clips from that one segment. It doesn't even include everything else. So, folks, I I don't know what to tell you. Does that mean that people like Brian Stelter are, that they're maybe losing it a little bit? Maybe there's a mental issue there, and that's why he can't remember anything? Or is this just a pathological liar who cannot help himself 
He is completely devoid of a moral compass. I tend to believe the latter. Given his behavior throughout the entirety of his media career, this is a guy who just cannot not lie. Kind of like Joe Biden. Joe Biden is incapable of telling the truth. It's an impossible task for him. Kamala Harris is impossible. She, she's incapable of telling the truth. Again, an impossible task for her. Just not possible for them to do it. They're sociopaths. I don't know how else to say it. They fit the description of it. I'm going to include a lot of details, including a massive chart of Democrat corruption and Biden family corruption involving Ukraine. All in the Daily Show prep today. You've seen it before, but it's been a long time, so I'll put it all in the show prep for today after the show at TheBurningTruth.us. More coming up. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget streaming online at rumble.com slash Casey the host or on my website at theburningtruth.us. Also want to thank r Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. r Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. I was a little surprised. I logged in over the weekend um, most of you know, yesterday, it was a tough week for our community in general, but um, Thursday, when we're out doing a remote at Prime Table, I had to talk about Rio Allred. And I was angry. I think everybody could hear how angry I was. I'll be perfectly honest with you. If I wasn't on an FCC licensed program, there would have been words coming out of my mouth that many of you have not heard before. I'm furious about this story. I've been angry about it for quite some time. So on Thursday, I kind of let my anger simmer out at the beginning of the show. Um, it's not it's not always the best circumstance to do that when you're doing a remote and you're trying to celebrate a holiday, And but it was a story that couldn't wait. The next day on Friday, we had Marla Gadette on to talk about what parents can do on their end if this situation is happening in their life. What I didn't know was that Rio's family was listening. And I, I opened up my Facebook over the weekend, which I'm not typically logged into, and I had messages from the family um, thanking me and the audience for the support. I, I responded as best as I possibly could. I think, on, I think on Friday I tried to write a message on the the obituary page three times and I deleted every one of them. I couldn't find the words. I just couldn't. And to see the family kind of reaching out and to see photos of them listening to the show was, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking. But I gave some advice and my advice was to not let this destroy you and to make sure that Whatever you're doing now, you're honoring Rio's memory and her life. And they've started to do that. She was um she was laid to rest today. 
two. Two Hen, uh, Penn High School siblings have shaved their head in, uh, in honor of Rio. And I've seen others doing it and posting it on social media as well. And there is a GoFundMe for the family that has been set up. I will link to that in the Daily Show Prep today. It'll be embedded in the Daily Show Prep if you would like to donate. Um, they got this story here from SBT. Rio's legacy will be that no other family, no other child will ever be in this position if we can help it. Now, that is according to Nicole Bell, uh, Rio's stepmom. Uh, family in mourning hoping to give a voice and make a change to children who are bullied on Monday. Um, they talked about the story. I don't need to go over it. Her family says that she was bullied because of her medical condition. Um, mother says that Rio was diagnosed with alopecia at the beginning of 2021. It's an autoimmune disease. We know that it attacks the hair follicles. The hair falls out. Uh, most of you know the backstory. Um, I did change my my personal Facebook avatar icon over to the one that is being used by Rio's family and loved ones. Um, and if, if a few of you didn't know what was going on and you were kind of asking me, you know, what was it about? It's and I and I appreciate that. Not everybody knows the story. You know, I like to think sometimes that everybody's listening to me every day. That's not always the case. Um, and a lot of people didn't know the story. Of course, a lot of people are out of town and they haven't heard about what had happened. But, um, you know, the superintendent of Elkhart Community Schools is conducting an internal review of this process. And, and that's where my anger was directed on Thursday because Elkhart Community Schools, let's be honest, they suck. I don't know how else to say it. And I've spent a lot of time in this community covering the schools here. And there are two school systems that consistently come up as absolute trash, hot garbage. Two. And ECS is always on that list. And it's not just academics. It's stuff like this. And when you're going to run around and tell parents that they don't have a right to know what their kid is being taught, that parents are an undue burdensome influence on children and what have you, and you're going to be able to hide all of these things from parents, uh, whether it's about uh, sexuality or gender or medical stuff or psychological stuff or whatever it is. You can hide all of that from the parents. But then it's the parents' fault when the child doesn't do well in school. And then we also have circumstances where in Elkhart Community Schools, in middle school, middle school, not high school, middle school, we have teachers begging, begging parents to get pornography off of their kid's phone. But the parents probably don't know that that's happening because the school doesn't punish the students who watch it at school. And I know that they're seemingly unrelated. And there's probably some people going, why are you talking about that? When The point is that the school systems in many parts of the country and right here don't want the parents involved but they will blame the parents when the school can't accomplish something away from the parents. But they don't want the parents' input. They don't want the parents' efforts. They don't want the parents involved at all. They don't want the parents to do what parents are supposed to do. Yet they blame the parents when the school can't get the job done. 
But this is a circumstance where the parents were involved and were asking for help, and the school ignored them. And so I'm glad the superintendent says that they're conducting an internal review, but this is systemic in Elkhart Community Schools. It's probably systemic in a lot of school systems, but this is systemic in ECS. And it has been for a long time. And I say that as a parent of a student who's in ECS. If you had any idea the things that I hear from students and parents every single week that never make it onto this show at the various school districts around our community, you'd be mortified. Absolutely mortified. Now, the good thing is that they, they, they did not get this idea from me. It was just advice that I had offered them, but they were already on this themselves. Uh, they've created a platform for victims of bullying to help. And that's, that's going to be a great way to honor Rio's life. Um, you know, this is, um, it really is. Obviously, we're talking about the loss of a child. But the circumstances in which it happened make this so much worse. So I'm going to put this website in the daily show prep today. I'm going to, I'm going to, Give it to you now, because I have a feeling that many of you will probably have a need or a desire for this resource. It's called riosrainbow.org. And you will see the logo that I have switched my personal Facebook to, and you will understand why. riosrainbow.org. More coming up. Speak of the devil. He's in here to steal my producer away from me. <laughs> you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the host. Rumble.com slash Casey the host. I have some fantastic news for everybody. Uh, U.S. intelligence officials are privately bracing for a massive influx of more than 170,000 migrants at the Mexican border. And that is, here's, here's how they're, they're spinning this. This is Axios. If COVID-era policies that allow instant expulsions during the public health emergency are ended, according to uh, Axios, Axios News. So it's almost like if you had the old Trump administration policies, you wouldn't have to worry about this. But now they're saying, well, if we lose the COVID restrictions, then we won't be able to instantly deport these, these people and there's, there's going to be like 170,000 of them who might come across the border. I know that we haven't talked about the border in quite some time. There's 170,000 migrants just sitting there waiting. Just waiting. Uh, let's see. Axios says that uh, the response is underway. Includes a newly created and previously unreported Southwest Border Coordination Center. Essentially a war room to coordinate an interagency response. You wouldn't need that if you were just using the Trump policies. You wouldn't need to create something like that. Border officials have used Title 42 more than 1 million times 
to rapidly expel migrants at the southern border without hearing asylum claims. The Trump-era order doesn't set up uh, to be permanent. Uh, Senior Biden officials are preparing for its end as the virus is brought under control. Well, make it permanent. That's all you got to do. Make it. This isn't that hard. You know, this is one tool that is left over from the Trump administration that is still being used by Biden. One. We already know how effective the Trump administration was on immigration. We already know that. And the Biden administration has been completely ineffective on immigration. We all know that. And the one thing that they kept in place, now they're saying, well, we're really worried that this thing is going to go away. We've got 170,000 migrants that, that we won't just automatically deport. Well, there's why did you fight the Remain in Mexico policy then? Uh, Department of Homeland Security Intelligence estimates that perhaps 25,000 migrants already are waiting in Mexican shelters just south of the border for Title 42 to end. DHS Deputy Secretary John Teen asked employees to consider stepping forward to support the DHS volunteer force, citing large numbers of migrants at the southwest border, according to an email that was seen by Axios. The email seeks general support for U.S. Customs and Border Protection to help with data, data entry. Do you realize that we have the Department of Homeland Security asking civilian companies to help them out? Have we ever been in a situation where they needed civilians to volunteer their time and their resources to help Border Patrol handle their business? And I'm not talking about the Minutemen, okay? The Minutemen were there because the Border Patrol wasn't allowed to do their job. We're talking about just the data entry aspect of it. They don't have enough manpower, so they're asking civilians for help. White House spokesperson Vedant Patel did not confirm or dispute specifics of Axios' reporting, but said in a statement, of course, the administration is doing our due diligence to prepare for potential changes at the border. No, you're not. Of course you're not. I t- This is a problem of your own making. And everybody knows it. Has Kamala Harris succeeded at a single solitary thing as vice president? Like at all? Has she succeeded in a single thing? Even the redecorating of her office was hot crap. You see her office, Josh? Her office is terrible. It's horrendously ugly. Looks like it was designed by a straight man. Horrible. She hasn't done anything successfully. Every time she goes overseas, she embarrasses herself. She never goes to the southern border. Then she lies about going to the southern border and finally goes to the southern border, but doesn't actually go to the southern border while pretending she was at the southern border. Southern border is an absolute mess. 170,000 people waiting to just cross. The one thing keeping them on the other side of the border is a Trump rule that will expire, and the Biden administration has no answer for it. So much so that they are begging private companies to offer offer their voluntary time and resources to help. And we're supposed to somehow, some way, assume that adults are running things? I, you realize one of the reasons that Ukraine is so important is because in that phone call 
with Zelensky, President Trump asked a very specific question. You remember that? He asked about the corruption that was tied to not just Biden, but others in Washington, D.C., through Ukraine. And Zelensky, who ran as the reform candidate, the anti-corruption candidate, got over 73% of the, vo- of the vote. He gave the right answers. And because he gave the right answers, Trump worked with him. Now, I mean, we're watching, we're watching all of that kind of disappear, aren't we? And there's a lot of people out there, and I get those messages too, and I know that there's other, other podcasts and radio shows and people on TV who are saying the same thing. You know, it's kind of interesting that the anti-corruption candidate all of a sudden is put in a position where he really needs the people who are corrupt and using his country for their corruption. All of a sudden, he's completely reliant upon all of the people who are money laundering through his country. You have to wonder what kind of an impact this is going to have on the future with Ukraine. And it's all tied together. Completely inept. The only thing that Biden appears to know how to do is launder money. And go listen to the phone calls that got leaked, that the the U.S. media was pretending weren't real and weren't authentic. Of course they are. Go listen to the phone calls with President now, well, he's Vice President Joe Biden and President Poroshenko before Zelensky was elected in Ukraine. And go listen. As Joe Biden was leaving office, he talked about Poroshenko being the the one person who was leading Ukraine away from corruption. Poroshenko was one of the most corrupt individuals in that country's history. So much so that nearly three-quarters of the country voted against him because of corruption. Yet Joe Biden said that he wasn't corrupt. What does that tell you? Everything they do turns to absolute crap. There's um, more and more articles being published. I know that I, I mentioned one earlier in my reference that they're looking to get rid of Joe Biden through Hunter Biden, which is why you're seeing the media all of a sudden start to cover Hunter Biden when they were pretending it didn't exist for all of these years. One of those, one of those theories is that Kamala's on her way out too. They want her gone also. I don't know how accurate that is, but there's no way anybody, even if you desperately wanted Kamala to succeed, there's no way that anybody in the Democratic Party could be looking at Kamala and, and be happy that she would be in any position of authority. Everything she has been assigned to deal with has utterly and completely failed. The one thing keeping 170,000 migrants across the southern border from rushing the border is a Trump-era rule that is set to be temporary and expire when COVID restrictions go away. And the Biden administration has no idea how to handle this. None whatsoever. Why? Because they tore down everything that was in place that prevented it from happening under Trump. And they fought it all in court. MNC News Time is 4.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Somebody asked me if there was an update on Justice Thomas. Uh, There isn't. And this has been a really weird story. So uh, Justice, Supreme Court Justice Thomas was 
was hospitalized with flu-like symptoms and an infection. Now, the Supreme Court says it's not COVID. So they're saying he does not have COVID. But he is in the hospital in Washington, D.C. with flu-like symptoms. But here's the other weird part about this. They didn't tell anybody about it for two days. That's weird, right? Like, that is the most bizarre thing. So they didn't tell anybody about it for two days. He's he's in the hospital. Not COVID, they say. Flu-like symptoms and an infection. That's all we know. Uh, people are asking for an update, and we have not heard an update. Uh, the latest report that I have is from an hour ago, and it's literally regurgitating all the stuff we already know. So I, I, I have no idea what's happening. I hope he's okay. He's 73 years old. Um, you know, naturally, the... Uh, the, the death fantasies are out there. People hoping he dies so Biden can appoint another Supreme Court justice. You got his uh, quackadoodle nominee out there going through the confirmation process. She gave her opening statements earlier today. And, you know, look, here's my observation because people have been asking me about it. We'll dive into her a little bit more, you know, as the, the confirmation process goes. We talked about her a little bit, but as the questions get asked and, and answered, we'll continue to update you on that throughout the the process this week, depending on how long it lasts. But the one thing that I will say about her is what are, for those of you who've been listening for any length of time, I've been telling you the judiciary in this country at all levels has a problem with people who shield child predators. Now, whether that's their child predators, whether it's powerful people with lots of money and, and influence or what have you, our child predators around them, I don't know what it is, but there is some weird thing in our judicial system with judges and lawyers and everything else um, being very predatory towards children, you realize her record is being very light on child pornographers and child predators. And it's the one thing that people have kind of picked up on that her record, I mean, she's got very heavy sentences for much lighter crimes, but child pornography sentencing, ah, very, very mild And it seems, seems, at least that's the impression that is given. Now, I suppose it's always just possible she's a a nutcase who just thinks that it's a misunderstood psychological disorder that can be treated with a pill. There are those people. uh, Pedophilia is not really bad. It's just a little condition. Right. I suppose it's possible she's one of those people, which means she doesn't get to serve on the court anyway. She shouldn't serve on the court, I should say. But people have pointed this out. Look at her record on child sex crimes. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I don't want somebody like that on the bench. Aside from her other stuff, okay? She's obviously a partisan nut job, and the Supreme Court shouldn't have partisan nut jobs on it. Um, And in spite of the left's efforts to label people who have no partisan nut jobbery in their judicial careers as right-wing nut jobs. They get to the court, what do they do? They behave as not right-wing nut jobs, proving all of that hyperbolic rhetoric was nonsense. But this is somebody who has activism. And I told you before, they were going to pick the worst possible candidate. And they were going to do that because they need something to campaign on. And they were hoping to get more of a bounce out of this than they were originally, so... They had to nominate the worst possible candidate, the one that would be the most repugnant to Republicans, and then they're going to go ahead and say, look, they're attacking her because she's a black woman, 
And they never said that about Joe Biden when he attacked a black woman. You know, Joe Biden, I know that you've already heard this before. We've said it before. Everybody else has said it before. You know, Joe Biden prevented a black woman from getting on the Supreme Court twice. Two times. Even filibustered. And he's out there going, it's time that we have a, a woman of a black woman on the uh, Supreme Court. Could have had one a long time ago if you didn't prevent it. So it's, man, I, there's, you look at her judicial record. We can't have people like that at the highest court of the land. We can't. That's going to be a real problem. So pay attention to this one. She's not going to get through. I doubt, well, I, I shouldn't say she's not. I doubt she's going to get through. But that's what they want. They don't want her to get through. They want, if she gets through, it's still a win, but they don't want her to get through. They want to use it as a campaign issue and a wedge issue going into the midterms. That's what they ultimately want. All right. Um, why are we still dealing with crazy COVID nut jobs? Why are the branch COVIDians still out there? Why are people afraid of this new variant of this virus? Why is that? You know, there's no evidence that this thing is bad, right? None. Why is it? <laughs> what is? Why are people so pavloved into falling into this trap? Regular COVID wasn't bad enough for us to be locked down and all of the restrictions to be put on us. I'm not saying it wasn't bad, okay? But it wasn't bad enough for all of that. Neither was Delta, which was less deadly than the original version of the virus. But then you've got, then you've got uh, uh, Omicron. Omicron still protects against the new variant, according to the initial research here. Still protects against it, and you still got the branch Covidians out there telling, "Well, we got to get vaccinated so we don't get sick." You know, there's this lady named uh, uh, Natalie Jacoby on Twitter. Nobody knows who she is, so don't feel bad if you don't know who she is. This lady went on a rant. My husband wants us to go out to dinner with his friend and his wife, who are both anti-vaxxers. Okay, are they anti-vaxxers or they just not want the COVID vaccine? Because there's a big difference. Jenny McCarthy is an anti-vaxxer. She's also a liberal. Most anti-vaxxers are liberals. There are people out there who don't want to get the COVID vaccines. Why? Uh, They have proven that they don't work all that well. So why would they? Anyway, she goes, I told him that I am not comfortable doing that because they did not get the COVID vaccine. Why? What is their, why is it that their refusal to get vaccinated, which doesn't affect your health at all, why is that a concern of yours? I'll explain in a minute because she still doesn't follow the science. And so then she asked the question, do you feel comfortable being around people you know who have not been vaccinated? Yeah, because I'm not an idiot. Of course, I, I'm comfortable with that. I don't care if you've been vaccinated or not. Not my business. Doesn't affect me either way. Doesn't affect my family either way. So as people have rightfully been dragging this lady, she says, yes, that's right. I will be the first in line to get my next booster, and I am not ashamed to admit it. I don't want you to be ashamed to admit it. You want your booster? Get your booster. Look, I don't care if if you're down with having an extra tail or an ear falling off. That's up to you, man. I don't care. It really doesn't bother me. I don't care what you think. I don't want COVID. And I will continue to listen to science experts like Dr. Fauci. Have a nice evening. 
I'm sorry. Did I miss where we did not conclusively establish that the vaccines do not prevent you from getting COVID? Two weeks ago, we had the CEO of Pfizer specifically say his virus doesn't really work against infection. He also said it doesn't last very long, which is why you keep needing to get boosters. Oh, weird how when you get boosters, Pfizer gets lots of money. Weird how that works, huh? So, again, trust the experts. Fauci's not out there telling you that the vaccine is going to prevent you from getting COVID. There is nobody out there but Joe Biden and Kamala Harris saying this. Well, Jen Psaki said it once, too, a couple weeks ago. Nobody else is out there saying it. Even the CEO of the vaccine companies, they're not saying it. Because the vaccine doesn't keep you from getting COVID at all. The CEO of Pfizer said there's some evidence that it's good against hospitalizations, but it doesn't work very good at infections and it doesn't last very long. So basically, the CEO of Pfizer is going, yeah, our vaccine is hot trash and we're going to submit that data here soon, but we're working on something else now. Tell me that that's not a cultist right there. She posted that yesterday. She's out there saying that she won't go to dinner with her husband's friends because they're not vaccinated. And she doesn't want to get COVID, and she feels that them not being vaccinated is going to jeopardize her in some way. She's arguing against her own argument. I know, I know, we've repeated this a million times, but I'm going to do it again anyway, because it's Monday, and some of you may may not be putting two and two together. All right, here we go. I'm going to try and make this as concise as I can. If the vaccine prevents you from getting COVID, and you're vaccinated then it shouldn't matter if the people you're with are unvaccinated because your vaccine should prevent you from getting COVID anyway. So even if you believe the lie, the lie, the lie that even the CEO of Pfizer admits is a lie, if you believe that lie, that having a COVID vaccine will prevent you from getting COVID, which even the CEO of Pfizer admits is not the case, and all of the scientific research that we have admits that's not the case, then you shouldn't care if the other people are not vaccinated because it wouldn't affect you because you are. The only way that you could be afraid of the other people not being vaccinated while you're vaccinated is if you think the vaccine that you say works doesn't work. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. Hold on, I got two more. Two more COVID stories here. You ready? Let's see if these sound familiar to anybody. Did the official figures overestimate Britain's COVID death toll? The chaotic way mortalities are recorded during the pandemic could mean thousands were wrongly blamed on the virus. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? I feel like I feel like a certain radio host has been talking about that for Quite some time. Name rhymes with Casey. That guy. Uh, yeah, Casey, that's just, that's Britain. That doesn't count. They have nationalized health care over there. All right. The CDC quietly rewhite, re- whites. Did I just Elmer Fudd everybody? <laughs> that's a Wesky Wabbit. God. The CDC quietly rewrites history again. Removes, ready for this? Tens of thousands of deaths from the COVID tracker. 
The CDC just did this. The health agency quietly made the change on his data tracker website on March 15th. That's just a week ago. Data on deaths were adjusted after resolving a coding logic error. Sure. This resulted in decreased death counts across all demographic categories. Oh, wow. Before the change, the CDC had listed 1,755 children as dying from COVID-19. None of them, none of them were healthy, along with approximately 851,000 others, according to a uh, Georgia resident who has been tracking the updates. Uh, Her name is Kelly uh, Cronert. The update saw the CDC cut 416 deaths among children and over 71,000 elsewhere. That's not a light number. Like, that's almost three quarters of, um, no, wait, three quarters? No, no, that's not right. (laughs) Monday math, no bueno. (laughs) I almost said three quarters of a million, no. Uh, three quarters of a hundred thousand really doesn't make any sense to anybody. It's almost, it's over 71,000 people got taken off of that thing. So weird. I'm usually so good at math too, but we're just talking about how it doesn't feel like it's Monday. 71,000 plus people have been taken off the death rolls for the CDC. That's again, that is not a small number at all. Corporate media will not be advertising this correction, but it should the change in deaths among minors has decreased by 23.7%. You think think they might want to promote that? Well, if they were honest, they would, but they're not honest, so they don't want to. Nearly a quarter of all adolescent deaths attributed to COVID, probably to advance the jab the kitties agenda. Of course it is. You know, on that last story with that that dingbat, the branch COVIDian who was like, I don't want to go have dinner with my, my husband's friends who haven't been vaccinated because I don't think my vaccine works. So I want them to be vaccinated so that my, my vaccine works. You realize some old man chimed in and this old guy said that he didn't go to his granddaughter's wedding because, because of the vaccine, because they weren't vaccinated. As if that were a badge of honor. Remember what I told you all. If your family will not see you because you're unvaccinated, find a new family because they're not your family. Real parents, real grandparents would die to be at a a kid or a grandkid special occasion. They wouldn't run from it because of a a vaccine. It's asinine. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. Pop on your microphone. What are those circles on the sidewalk that you see when you walk down the street? Metal things? Like a manhole. Yeah, manhole. What do manholes go down to? Uh, to the sewer. To the sewer. Yeah. All right. What if I were to tell you that there was a massive business in China to go to those manholes every morning and put a big old giant soup spoon? We're talking like like basketball hoop-sized soup spoon. Like a ladle. Yeah, like a giant ladle down into the manhole. Down to the sewer. His mouth is already dropping open. And scoop up leftover butt sludge and put it in a bucket and then cook with it. And cook with it? Yeah, that's cooking oil. And cook with it? Yes, it's cooking oil. 
I mean, they throw some animal fats in it and they boil it, whatever, but it's, yeah. But it's, this is human waste. Yes, it's human waste. And they cook with it. Yes. I have said this before. I will say it again. If you ever visit China, never eat the street food. Never go to a non-high-end chain restaurant. It's a real thing. I will show you the video of how they make it after the show. It sounds pretty easy to make. It's pretty easy, yeah. It's super cheap. It's it's like stupid cheap. Okay? It's always going to be there. This is how this has anybody stopped in the last couple of months and asked why is it that all of these viruses escape China? It's never anywhere else. It's always China. Gutter oil. Wow. It, dude, it's gross. That was enlightening. It, it is. It is vile. It is vile. Again, don't ever eat the street food in China. No, never. Ever. It's cooking oil, but it's ultra, ultra cheap, so it's high profitability. Gutter oil. Leave that in the comment section on Rumble. Rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Comment on the video. Word of the day. Gutter oil. It's two words, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> if you hyphenate it, I don't think the Associated Press will penalize you for it. Okay. Things not being discussed by the American media about Russia and Ukraine. A Ukrainian television host quoted Adolf Eichmann, the Nazi war criminal, on Ukrainian national television and called for the uh, murder of all Russian children. Things that are not discussed on American media. Weird how that just kind of like got swept under the rug. Have you seen any reports on that, on like the... The big, big news media outlets, right, Josh? Nope, no, I haven't either. It's, it's kind of weird. But he did, and then, and then, like a week later, they were kind of forced to apologize a little bit. But the apology was, look, he was upset. His friend was just killed, and you know, stuff. You realize the people who produced the, the people who produced the news program that he was on, actually pulled up a picture of Eichmann, and put it on. The television screen. It's not like this guy's like a blogger or something. He's on their news. He's a news anchor. It would be like you flipping on the news and one of our news anchors here locally, okay, well, technically it would be like a PBS news anchor, uh, going out there and saying we need to kill all of the Mexican babies. It is the equivalent of that, okay? It is the absolute equivalent of that. Is the American media covering it? No. Why would you do that? Other things the American media is not covering. Did you know that the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has now banned all uh, opposing political parties? Hey, that sounds like a, a, a freedom, love, and democracy there, doesn't it? Ukraine's president, Zelensky, has announced the banning of Ukraine's main opposition party and 10 others as a part of the anti-Russian crackdown. Do you think maybe, and again, I get it. This country's being invaded, extenuating circumstances or whatever. But do you think maybe if the American news media were to announce their lionized hero in, in Zelensky has banned all political opposition, do you think maybe Americans might go, uh, what now? You think maybe there might be a bit of a screeching halt to at least the uncritical support of Zelensky? Do you think maybe that would happen? Okay, Azov Battalion is out there refusing to allow 
okay? Refusing to allow civilians to leave Mariupol. They have a history of butchering civilians in Mariupol. That's the pro-Ukrainian side, okay? I'm not excusing Russia. I'm just, but here's the thing. Nobody else is going to give you the other perspective. So once again, it falls on me to be your huckleberry, and here I am. So, of course, I'll get accused of being a Russian sympathizer, whatever. It doesn't matter how many times I tell you I'm rooting for the Ukrainians in this. But do you think that the American people might second-guess this total and unwavering support of Ukraine and the lionizing of Zelensky if the American people knew that Zelensky had banned all of his political opponents? Do you think maybe that would cause a lot of Americans to at least second-guess the automatic Ukraine is good, Russia is bad narrative? Maybe, potentially? Okay, if that's not enough, fine. All right, we'll, we'll go down the rabbit hole even more crazy. I've been giving you these stories from the very beginning of this. Who is the number one, for all of my FanDuel fans out there, who is the number one tennis player in the world right now? You're my sports guy, do you know? Uh, it's not Djokovic, no. Not Djokovic, no. Um, Daniil Medvedev is the number one tennis player in the world right now. Djokovic, good guess, though. Really good guess. Um, nope. Medvedev. Well, at least he was the number one tennis player in the world. You see, the current number one tennis player in the world, Daniil, or Dan, Dan, Daniil, there's two I's, like D-A-N-I-I-L, Daniil Medvedev, could be banned from competing at Wimbledon. If he doesn't publicly denounce Vladimir Putin. Now, I don't care who you are. There is no way that you think this is right unless you are a tyrant. If this isn't Orwellian, I don't know what is. You can't play. You're the number one player in the world, and you can't play at Wimbledon unless you publicly denounce Vladimir Putin. He plays tennis. He's not shooting Ukrainian kids. He plays tennis. His goal in life is probably not to be in Russia and hit balls back and forth with other guys. That's probably his goal in life. And you're going to you're going to take away his ball hitting goals just because he won't publicly admonish Vladimir Putin? What does it get you if you do though? There's been a composer. A composer who opposes the war, was still fired. An opera singer who denounced the invasion was still fired. Well, Russian kids are getting bullied all over the world just because they're Russian. They don't live there. They escaped. They're still being bullied. He is a tennis player. And he has been told that if he does not publicly denounce Vladimir Putin, he will not be able to compete at Wimbledon. I do not care who you are. That is Orwellian, and that is wrong. Period. <laughs> you think if they, you think if they played those three stories in the United States, or at, in, at least in Western, do you think if they played those, now Western Europe, they're brainwashed. But if they played them in the U.S., do you think maybe American support for for Zelensky? might taper off just a little bit. You think maybe the war drums die down just a little bit. Maybe you're still in favor of sending them javelins and stuff like that, but maybe you're not like, yeah, let's uh, let's bomb them with our own planes. Right, Hannity? <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't say that stuff if you actually know what's happening over there.
but nobody in the U.S. knows what's happening over there because nobody in the U.S. knows anything about the Ukrainian situation. And since you're only allowed to get the predetermined narrative through our media, who is constantly feeding you propaganda about every other issue, you're probably not well aware of what's going on. I said, none of it's meant to excuse what the Russians are doing. But if you don't know the history of Mariupol, you can't be running news segments saying that the Russian troops are targeting civilians in Mariupol. You don't know anything about that city. You don't know the history of civilians being targeted by the Ukrainians in that city. You don't know that DPR forces who were targeted by Ukrainian forces are actively fighting in that city alongside Russian troops. And some of the forces that you're seeing actually conducting those targeted civilian attacks might be DPR forces and not Russian. You don't know any of that because you haven't been told any of that. And why might DPR forces be targeting civilians in Mariupol? Because the Ukrainians were targeting civilians in Mariupol for years. I'm not saying it's right. It certainly doesn't help the Ukrainian Azov battalion is, is out there not letting civilians escape through approved corridors. That doesn't help. But they don't tell you any of that, do they? There's really two Ukraines. There's eastern Ukraine and then there's the rest of Ukraine. The rest of Ukraine is normal and sane. Eastern Ukraine, there's a bunch of savage monsters and, yes, a lot of neo-Nazis. Well, neo-Nazis not even the right way to phrase it. Real Nazis. Laura Logan is right. They're Nazis. And there's a history there that you probably need to understand, which could explain why they embraced Nazism when they were being butchered and slaughtered by Stalin. But it's still the reality. So Azov Battalion, not only is Fox News running Azov Battalion drone footage all over their programming, which I don't, for the life of me, I can't understand. But they're running that footage. Azov Battalion, which is undeniably got massive amounts of neo-Nazis in it. Okay, openly embrace neo-Nazis. Their unit unit badge is clearly neo-Nazi. It's a throwback to the old Nazi regime. But beyond that, what you have is you have American media relabeling, leftist media, relabeling neo-Nazi Azov as far-right extremist Azov, while falsely labeling Sparta Battalion with the DPR forces as being neo-Nazi. When they're not neo-Nazi, they think they're fighting neo-Nazis. You get it? So all of a sudden, the Ukrainians, neo-Nazis, are not neo-Nazis anymore because we're on Ukraine's side. So we're going to erase the fact that there's neo-Nazis there. And instead, we're going to create neo-Nazis where none exist on the pro-Russia side. And we're going to call them neo-Nazis, even though they are opposed to neo-Nazis and they're fighting neo-Nazis. But it's all a giant slander game. Because the Americans have been Pavloved into believing neo-Nazi bad. Neo-Nazi bad, automatically bad. So now the pro-Russian side is neo-Nazis. And again, when you look at the um, when you look at the social media accounts of like the pro-Russian people, they very much still see this like in World War II. This is an ideological peeing contest between Marxism and fascism. True story. That's how they see this. It is. It's one of the most bizarre things in the world. The reality is, is that a bunch of innocent people in Ukraine are getting caught up in in crazy people in the governments of both of their countries who have abused horrendously. And innocent people are getting caught up in the middle of it. But you should be told the truth, so that way you at least have some kind of a barometer of what is real and what is not real in that country. And nobody's bothering to tell you that truth but me and a couple of others, and of course we are automatically slandered for trying to do that. If those three stories, just ask yourself that question. If these three stories, okay, a Ukrainian television host quoting 
Nazis, Eichmann, calling for the extermination of Russian children. If that were covered in the United States, if Zelensky banning all political opposition in his country were covered in the United States, if the number one tennis player in the world possibly not being able to play at Wimbledon unless they denounce Vladimir Putin publicly were being played in the United States on a regular basis, do you think American opinions about the coverage at least of this conflict would change? Now you understand why they moved to ban any and all information other than the approved channels. And more coming up, 95.3 MNC. I didn't watch the game, but boy, did I hear about it. Everybody had the same criticism. You played the same players all game. And then I heard that they do that all the time. And I don't watch uh, Notre Dame basketball enough to know if that's true, but I assume that it is. Because usually every rumor about Notre Dame sports is true. Like everything. I don't think there's ever been a rumor. Well, okay. Here's the rumors. Uh, They could win the title this year. Those rumors are always false when it comes to the guys. With the ladies, there's always a chance. Uh, Let's see. Only 20% of Americans say that they're better off now than a year ago. Do you remember all those years of President Trump? And every year we had record high numbers of people who said that they were better than the previous year. You remember that? Pre-COVID, of course. Those were the those are the days. Man, I miss winning all the time. When asked if they are better off now than they were a year ago, only 20% of adults said yes, according to the I and I tip. Whole. Josh, would you rate yourself as uh, better now than you were last year or no? You would? Yeah, I would too. I'm better, but we're in the 20%. Everybody else apparently disagrees with us. Um, I, But here's the, here's the thing. The only reason I'm better is because of you, the audience, period. If it weren't because of you guys tuning in because you knew that I was giving you information that nobody else was giving you, it wouldn't be that way. But because of that... Uh, we had an influx of advertisers, and because of that, I got some extra dough. And it made my life uh, a little bit better. So I appreciate that. <clears throat> uh, the full question asked was, generally speaking, is your family better off today than it was one year ago? Worse off than it was one year ago, or about the same as it was a year ago? Only 20% said that they were better off. 42% said they were worse off. 36% said about the same. It's not good. That is not good. Did you see that the economy slowed again in February? Biden's surging economy, as they love to phrase it, slowed again in February. About the same with liberals. Only 26% said that they were better off, while 29% said that they were worse. So even among liberals, they're they're admitting to themselves that they're not better off. Republicans and independents had nearly identical responses. Only 11% of Republicans and 17% of independents said that they were better off, while 56 and 48% respectively said that they were worse off. So taken as a whole, the pollsters conclude that means 78% of Americans have seen no progress or improvement at all in their financial and economic lives since Biden took over. Wow. That is, uh, that's no bueno. The good news is that there's 170,000 migrants waiting at the southern border to come take what little jobs you have left. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry 
for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Now, I would like to point this out because people have brought this up in the, the live stream. One of those political parties was very pro-Russian. There are pro-Russian political parties in Ukraine. Uh, they want to they want to merge with uh, Russia again. They want to move back towards Russia, just like in Crimea and Donbass. So, yeah, that's that's true. I, I get that. Um, and you could say that in this time of war, the pro-Russian political party is going to be banned and can't hold government posts and that sort of thing. I suppose you could say that because they might be saboteurs and what have you. But again, my, my question was more about the media coverage of this. If the the American media were to tell you that President Zelensky has banned 11 political parties, all of his opposition, would that affect the opinions of the American people uh, and the war drums and that sort of thing? And so, remember, everything that's happening right now is designed to manipulate you into supporting a war with Russia. That's what's going on. It's not about just supporting Ukraine against Russia. What's happening is they're building the case for Americans to say, all right, let's go into war. Why do you think every every Chiron on all of the news says Putin is targeting civilians? Why do you think that? Some of you can go, well, because it's true. Well, I got news for you. Um, I've got plenty of evidence that it's not always true. I've got plenty of evidence that the opposite is true. I've got evidence that it is true. It's an ugly, nasty war. And especially on the Eastern Front, you've got some bad folks on both sides. You know, the DPR forces have committed war crimes. The Ukrainian forces in the Eastern Front, like Azov, have committed war crimes. You know... I don't remember because I was not born, but during the Iran-Iraq war, was there a very big pro-Iraq side in the U.S.? Or were we pretty much understanding that we were dealing with two scumbags, but we are going to arm one scumbag over the other scumbag because this was our scumbag? But we at least acknowledged that they were scumbags, right? Whereas in Ukraine, it's, you know, it's okay to feel for the people. And I know, I feel like somebody needs to give you permission to feel this way. It's okay to feel for the innocent people of Ukraine. Ukrainian people are well-loved all around the world. It is okay to feel bad for the innocent people caught up in this mess and still understand the Ukrainian government and the Russian government are piles of crap. You can do that. That's okay. You can even acknowledge that the DPR forces and uh, the, the National Guard units on the Ukrainian side uh, on Donbass fighting around Mariupol. You, you can acknowledge that both sides target civilians there. That's okay. You can do that. And you can still feel bad for those civilians. You don't have to be, well, no, the Russians are targeting civilians, the Ukrainians are not. Yes, they are. That's the point. And they have since 2014. So there's reprisals that are now happening with DPR forces in Mariupol. Okay? I'm not saying it's right. It's horrible. But if you understand what's going on, then at least you have some perspective. But all we're getting, turn on the news right now. Any news channel, Putin's targeting civilians, every single one of them, every single one of them. Now, the Russians are telling you that they're targeting buildings that are being used by the Ukrainian military or Ukrainian troops or civilians who are resisting, okay? And they're not just people sleeping in their beds trying to avoid the war who get blown up. We have obviously seen where, let's just say for the sake of argument, the Russian perspective, that's what they believe, that's what their intelligence said. We have clearly seen where their intelligence has been wrong. Doesn't mean that they were intending to target those areas. 
Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, maybe they're rogue units, maybe they're DPR forces and not Russian forces. And for those of you who don't know what DPR is, it's the Donetsk uh, People's Republic. That's a, one of the Donbass uh, regions that has declared their independence, which kicked off this entire thing. So all I'm trying to do, and I'm going to repeat this every single time I talk about this, all I am trying to do is get you to understand you're getting one side of the story, and that side is not always 100% accurate. And you would be wise to look at the other side, too, so at least you understood what was going on. And I posted this last week. I think I went to mention it. I don't know if I actually did. I posted on, on I think, Facebook and maybe Telegram. Just asking a basic question here. How many of you, honestly, how many of you have taken the time, who have taken a position on this conflict, how many of you have taken the time to at least look at the war crimes committed by Ukrainian forces since 2014 in Donbass? How many? Because I, I'll tell you right now, there's a lot. A lot. And that's the previous president. That's the current president. It, it's It's ugly. And guess where most of those atrocities were committed? Mariupol. That's that city where you've seen the maternity hospital hit, the apartment building hit, the mall hit. Okay, So that's that city. And I've got video of Ukrainian Air Force bombing civilians there. I've got video of Azov going in and murdering a bunch of people at a mall. I've got video of all of that. And I just... All I'm trying to get people to do is to understand the conflict. You don't need to pick sides. It's okay. We're not actually fighting. It's okay to, to just look at it and go, wow, it's really horrible what's happening, and I hope that these civilians get help. That's an okay position for you to have. It's even an okay position for you to want to give javelins and, and other equipment to the Ukrainians so they can resist the Russians. That's fine. Except I'm rooting for the Ukrainians here because I believe the Ukrainian country has a right to be its own independent country. That doesn't mean that the complaints by Crimea and Donbass aren't legitimate. We got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. Yeah, there's a couple of things got brought up in the live stream, too. Um, I'm not so sure that I buy this Russia's running out of bullets story. Um, there is an argument that they might be out of, like, guided munitions. Maybe. I don't know. But I will say that they are using an old Soviet-era tactic. Video surfaced to this here last week. This is a Soviet-era tactic where basically they take their helicopters. They do a climb-and-fire type maneuver um, where they... they kind of angle up and they shoot unguided rockets towards suspected Ukrainian positions. And of course, the, you know, the assumption is that they might be doing this towards cities too. And again, if you're firing unguided munitions into uh, civilian populated areas, it's considered a war crime. So there is that. But uh, both sides, both sides are dirty as heck in this conflict, but it's just that the Ukrainians are the ones that didn't pick the fight. And that's, that's important for people to remember. So again, just pay attention to everything and, and make sure that you're not 
you're not just buying into everything kind of whole cloth uh, based on what they're telling you because there's a bill of goods that is being sold to you in the American and Western media that seems to have a political angle, which may involve Biden's family history. We'll see you tomorrow.